This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This episode is brought to you by UpMyGame.com. Whatever your sport, start using the UpMyGame video analysis app to connect with top coaches around the world. How does it work? I can upload a video of myself doing push-ups, shall we say, to the UpMyGame app, and my coach, Chris from Push Fitness, will analyze it and give me feedback on my form, because I may as well do it right. So download the app, upload a video of yourself doing any sport, tag the food podcast, and Up My Game will give you free feedback on the sport of your choice. Hi, I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson, and this is The Food Podcast, adventures in the world of food. On this, our first episode, we'll talk about food photography with Paris-based photographer Joanne Pye. But first, a little context. Food photography is the practice of still-life photography, intended to produce images for advertisements, packaging, menus, cookbooks, and now blogs. Food photography was traditionally a collaborative effort between photographer, art director, prop stylist, and food stylist. I'm flipping through my 1910 copy of Mrs. Beaton's cookery book, the most popular cookbook of the Victorian era, and of the 100 illustrations, just a few of them are photographs. There's the housekeeper in her kitchen, boiled turbot, dressed crab. The colored images are illustrations. There's assorted fancy pastry, croquettes of rice, step-by-step black and white illustrations of how to carve sole and cod. By 1950, the number one nonfiction title in the U.S. was Betty Crocker's Pitcher Cookbook. Despite the title, there are just a few pictures, mainly how-to diagrams of how to make a pineapple boat or how to properly use a melon baller. Meanwhile, in 1950s Britain, Elizabeth David's books were igniting a passion for Mediterranean cooking with the help of only a few pen and ink drawings. Today, can you imagine a cookbook with only a few line drawings? People buy cookbooks because of photography now. There are photographers like David Loftus, who's worked with Jamie Oliver all along, and Chris Court, who's, you know, the visionary, one of the visionaries behind Donna Hayes, um, very strong Australian look, and Mikel Vang, another Australian photographer. They have really changed the way we see food, the way we live our lives, the way we aspire to live our lives uh, through food. Um, you know, it's it's so different, I suppose, from the staged studio work that that we used to see, maybe in our in our mothers or grandmothers' cookbooks or grandfathers. You know, just to be fair, and then of course Martha Stewart took it up several notches, creating creating food images that were just so attractive, but. F- full of perfection and, you know, potentially slightly intimidating. But now, you know, things have completely changed. Film is finished. It's digital. These photographers have had to transition into the modern world of the internet. It's all about flash memory now. No more dark rooms and no more waiting. 
Yes, change is happening in the food photography world, and the internet has expedited these changes. Today, anyone can take a picture of food and post it. My name is Eric Troyer, and I work for Books for Cooks in London, Notting Hill. Uh, it's a happy place, and we're here every day. Over the last few years, what, what happened is, uh, and, and definitely in publishing, is you don't really need a food photographer anymore. You know, you can make beautiful pictures from your telephone. Everything is so instant, and, and uh, you don't need film anymore. You don't need to wait for the processing. You don't need to wait until you get the, 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 the tranny back to, to check the pictures. You could redo the dish very quickly. There's a, a, a different quality in full photography where everything seems to be much faster. And when you look at cookbooks, you, you could tell the pictures that they don't wait, that they, don't, they haven't been retouched, they haven't been painted with olive oil or varnish or whatever it is. You know, like, on, on days like today, anybody could be a photographer, especially a food photographer. You know, the lighting have changed and everything. I mean, uh, even like the filming have changed. Now, everybody, uh, everybody with anybody who wants to do something, you could make your own video uh, out of... Uh, out of the telephone, out of a, a, a basic camera and, and post them on YouTube. You don't need the lighting, you don't need the script, you just go on with it, you know. It's, uh, things, it's much faster and um, sometimes it's more appealing. So the question is, how do you stand out? How do you cut above the noise? How do you get noticed? And most of all, how do you get paid? to make money. Obviously, they make less money than they did. The, the, the way they make money now is just diversification. You have to do more and you have to do on the bigger things. You have to work for websites. You have to work for... Uh, I mean, I use a photographer to do a video for YouTube about the shop and uh, it's, it's just incredible. And those who do it well are making money doing it. Joanne Pye, known professionally as Slice of Pie, is a Paris-based food and travel photographer. She's journeyed all over the world, living in the U.S., Taipei, and Vancouver, and now, of course, Paris. And you can find her work in publications such as Forbes, The Telegraph, Western Living Magazine, and in Wired as one of the top food Instagram accounts in the world. Joanne co-founded Acorn Mag, a collaborative food culture magazine focused on telling visual stories about culinary artisans. Now, I first met Joanne on a food and lifestyle photography workshop in the Basque Country almost two years ago now. My gosh. And I was was a long time ago. It feels like yesterday. Um, I was there to really to learn how to use a, a camera, not just my iPhone. But Joanne, you had it all together, just quietly capturing Quince in the orchard and outdoor feasts and seaside towns like nobody's biz, I have to say. And that was two years ago, and you were already well into a huge following on Instagram. <clears throat> so, yes. Hi, Joanne. Hi. So, this success did not happen overnight, did it? You were moonlighting when I met you in the Basque Country in Spain. Yeah, I guess it happened right after we part ways. You were my lucky charm. <laughs> So what were you doing? What was your day job back then? My I worked for the Canadian government. That was my my full-time job and I was a program officer there. And living in Vancouver. Living in Vancouver at the time, yeah. And then just capturing images of food when you went out to eat or uh, mostly my cooking, actually. It all happened when I took a trip to Paris about five years ago. I took some time off work because living in Paris was always something that I've wanted to do. And in that three months, I was just so inspired by 
everything that I saw and wanted to share the experience with people back home. And I had my small apartment and I was cooking my way through Persian recipes, going through farmers markets here, visiting cheesemongers, butchers, you know, all the culinary artisans and started cooking and photographing and started a blog, which only my mom read, I'm sure. Because <laughs> that was before Instagram five years ago. That was way before Instagram. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I realized think- that I didn't um, really care to write about food. So when Instagram came out, I just started po- continuing to cook at home and posting my photos there. And again, for my family and friends, not knowing where it was going to go. Yeah. Were you following any blogs at the time? Food yeah, blogs? I was actually following Aran's blog, and that's oh, why yeah. I ended up at that workshop. So Aran is the one who co-hosted our Food and Lifestyle Photography Workshop in Spain. She goes by Canel Vanille, and she certainly has an incredible style. And I do remember you on the workshop saying that you would really, really study her, her photographs. Mm-hmm. And her styling, and mostly just her use of light, I was so mesmerized by how, you know, seeing how the light hit her food and how all the textures and shadows and, you know, depth of field that it brought out. Mm-hmm. There's so many um, <clears throat> stories that are told, excuse me, <clears throat> there's a lot of stories that are told through those kind of images. And you were saying that you're not, you weren't interested in, in writing. Um, mm-hmm. w- the words just didn't, didn't matter for you? No, I'm... Not because I'm ESO, but also because I'm just such a visual person. And yes. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to writing about food, I find that like I, I can only express it through images. It's just the, like, the way I communicate, I suppose. Yeah. So ESL, we should backtrack a little bit. Tell us uh, a little about your heritage. <laughs> I was born in Taiwan and we, my family moved to Jersey when I was young, but I had to completely lose the accent when I moved to Canada. Um, yeah, that's my heritage. Your Taiwanese accent or your Jersey accent? It was my Jersey accent that was threatening other uh, high schoolers. So I had to <laughs> adapt my Canadian accent to make some friends. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so were you taking pictures back in Jersey when you were a kid? I wasn't very much. We, uh, I mean, my first camera was just the Fujifilm the 35 millimeter that everybody used back then and my parents owned it I didn't really have a camera and but I would steal it when we go on vacation and hog it mm-hmm. um, other than that like I when it comes to my photography past I actually took a photography class in grade 12 in Canada and I got a C minus in it <laughs> which is interesting because I actually ran into my photography teacher uh, a year ago and told him I was a photographer now and well, we both had a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, cameras when you were little, but what were you? What were you really into when you were around twelve years old? I've once heard that when you're twelve, what you enjoy at that time usually says something about what you're going to do professionally. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I guess some ways it does. But back then, I was really into music. I played a few instruments uh, and was in orchestra at school. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to go to music school, and even though I went down a different career path like music still largely influences my work and inspires my photography mm, oh how does that so, happen um the how the, music happens yeah how, how music how does music inform your photography um in ways that evoke certain emotions and i translate that emotion into my work mm. so in the studio i'm always trying to pick 
certain pieces if I want something darker, moodier, you know, Bon Iver comes to, mm-hmm. comes to my playlist and such. Oh, that's cool. What about your bright, sunny images? What do you listen to? <laughs> With honey something drizzling. Techie. Something techy? Something peppy. I was going to say techy. I can't hear. When I can't you said imagine, the word. Like, <laughs> dark underground. Um, and I guess when I was 12, my second biggest passion was food. And food's always been part of my life, right? My reason to that. Like, mm-hmm. that's, yeah, my mom, all, my mom loves food. And she always made sure that we tried different restaurants when we were young or, you know, dabble in different cuisines at home. Was she cooking, uh, was she cooking Taiwanese food for you guys? Uh, a little bit, but not much. When we moved to the States, she loved um, like the Food Network and we always tried different <laughs> recipes. So, you know, what, going through like Jamie Oliver's recipes and such. Oh, that's cool. So your father is an architect and so is one of your brothers. Now, did they inform your aesthetic at all? Yeah, even though it's quite different from doing food photography, I, I do notice that how they see the world largely influences how I photograph too mm. and uh just through things like paying attention to lines in my photos it's not just it doesn't just apply to architectural photography or f- when i'm photographing rooms but you know i like seeing leading lines and converging lines when it comes to food but my mom's side like she's also very free and very like emotional and intuitive so there's a balance of that where i like having lines but also very free and everything's a good balance and moves around and yeah so both sides Mm. of the family has affected me a lot because i know you have a grid at all times on your on your screen (laughs) on your camera (laughs) it's an obsession yeah yeah well they might call you on it too if you uh if you tilted something yeah i might get disowned if the lines don't converge (laughs) (laughs) so that said your mom is creative and intuitive and your father is an architect and you went and worked for the government now how did that happen joanne tell us the truth I thought I was adopted, <laughs> but no, it was just, uh, I went to school and I didn't know what I wanted to study at the time. And like I said, my photography marks were not that great. So that wasn't an option for me at the time. And um, I studied, studied criminology, psychology, was hoping to go to law school, but uh, changed my mind and went down a few uh, government-like jobs instead until I discovered photography. So you were you were taking pictures on the weekends in your free time and then what happened that allowed you to soar on your own as a food photographer? Well, I was posting it on Instagram and not knowing who was looking at it at the time. It was just an app that was just really just starting to hit off. And uh, one day a business owner of Vancouver contacted me through the app saying that she was a big fan of my work and asked me if I would photograph her products. And I just said, sure. And that's how it all started from one job to another, basically. And you had to say Saturday at 10 as opposed to... Yeah, it was really hard in the beginning because I'm a natural light photographer too. And you know, after 5 p.m. on winters you can't photograph so I had to convince a lot of clients to do it on weekends without telling them that it's because I had a full-time job right <laughs> keep the guise of professionalism yeah all right so um I would want I I was just wondering if you would 
kind of share your process a little bit more with us. And we can do that maybe by taking one of the images from your Instagram feed. And I was just having a little look, and there's this great pic. There's this great picture that you took on a recent trip to Taiwan. You were in mm. Japan and Taiwan. Were you on a food just binge? What was going on there? <laughs> That's how I travel. <laughs> food comes first. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. Okay, so in this picture, it was taken eight weeks ago. You are holding. How can we describe this? A like a bun with egg inside. Tell us about that. Oh, that was so delicious. <laughs> that was my first trip back. To Taiwan for I think eight years, and it was really exciting to go back with my brother, who was the last time he was there. He was quite young, so we were discovering all these places that we used to eat at by our own neighborhoods. And because we didn't travel with our parents this time, they weren't able to tell us where things were. So we had to kind of follow our memories and remember what things tasted like. And so we found that、uh, breakfast place and. Yeah, so my process with food photography, I'm always looking for light first, whether or not I'm working at a studio or, or I'm traveling, because I feel like the light is so integral in food photography that even the most beautiful food can look unappetizing when it's photographed under bad lighting.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with restaurants,、mm-hmm. I try to sit by the window where there's natural light coming in and not a lot of like strong, harsh overhead lights that that.、Um, Well, that make the food look unappetizing. And for this one, though, the interior wasn't the prettiest, and it had really strong lighting inside. So I actually took the the mantel, the sandwich, out to the streets and held it, and just took an overhead shot of it. So you can see here; it's in your hand. It's gorgeous. It's like this folded over omelet, maybe with some <laughs> green onions or something in it, and this really. Milky white bun that、uh, it, it it actually looks like styrofoam. It's so perfectly cut square. <laughs> yeah, and you can see the ground below and a really、um, sort of faded、um, sneakers down below, and the depth of feel is there, and your sleeve is there. Do you think about there's nice little checks of color in your sleeve? Do you think about <laughs> things like that, like what you're wearing and what your wrist looks like and what sneakers you have on and Yeah, I mean, I don't dress thinking that I'm going to eat something that day, and then I'll include it in my photos. I'll include it in my photos if if I feel like it suits the story or matches、um, what I'm eating. And generally, I'm a、um, I, I dress in like lighter colors or more complementary ones rather than like strong bold ones that would distract the the、um, photo away from the food rather than highlight it.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you don't want to. You don't want to steal a show. But there has been incidents where I'm wearing a particular color scarf that I really liked, and I would say order a donut that's complimentary to the scarf. <laughs> It's happened before. <laughs> you can admit it. Okay,、yeah. so we were recently in Seattle together, and I had the the honor of witnessing this process, the Joanne Pie slice of pie process. We went out、nice. for coffee. <laughs> Actually, we, we can even. I'll share this Sitka and Spruce moment where we、uh, we went out to eat, and of course it was in the early evening because obviously,、um, you know, natural light is king, as we've discussed. And I, I think that that must be changing service time in restaurants because everyone's taking photos of their foods, and everyone's taking photo of their food, and no one.、Uh, 
you, you rarely see darkness. It's always natural light streaming through a window, especially in your gorgeous shots. But anyway, we curled up next to a window at this this awesome little restaurant. And right away, your eyes are darting around. You're like looking for the lilacs and wondering in, <laughs> in the vase next to us and wondering if you can steal the flowers and put it down in the pitcher. Yeah, and you're, I could just see the process. Boom, boom, boom. And as soon as the food arrives, it's like, how can we do this? What are we going to do? What can I steal? How can I, how can I style this photo? Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it's an obsession. <laughs> so what happens, and I, and I felt like we were two peas in a pod because, you know, that's my process more or less too. Mm-hmm. Or I'm just being inspired by you. But what do you do when you're with a stranger or on a date? How does that all work? And you just can't help yourself. The food looks so fantastic. You have to take a picture. I guess it depends on how good looking the stranger is and how interested <laughs> I am in the date. I'm kidding. Um, well, generally, like my passion for food or the dining experience came before the photography thing. So I've always valued the whole the whole dining experience, basically. And like being in France for a while, you really cherish those um, moments and like having conversations around food and really just being present and so i'm okay at certain times where i although sometimes it does kill me but i'm okay to like put my phone away and just really enjoy the evening yeah yeah i know you just have to pull back (laughs) but it really is a fleeting thing food is an is, is edible art and you know do you think that that instagram has helped in a way because it's a it allows us to capture capture food and, and make it last oh yeah for sure and i love like i love how with instagram we are able to see what people around the world are eating like instantaneously you know and before that we wouldn't be able to do that unless we picked up a publication from a certain country you get to share and connect and you know, food culture spreads and see what trends are like in other countries and how trends spread across the world so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like teleporting. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's cool. You teleported to someone else's kitchen, you know? <laughs> so teleport us to Paris. What uh, what did, what happened to you today? What did you do? Oh, would it be cliche to say that I started my day with a coffee and croissant? <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it. That's pretty much how I started my day. Had a good conversation with a friend who's visiting as well. And uh, afterwards, it was it was such a beautiful day here. It was 28 degrees, actually. It got really hot. Um, I walked around the city a little bit, still getting to know my neighborhood. And uh, had a meeting, and I came back home to make some lunch, caught up on some work, and here we are. Nice. Now, are you looking for a studio space while you're there? What's happening? <laughs> I am, and I'm not. I've actually uh, went to see another photographer and will be borrowing her photography studio in the meantime until I get uh, settled in and eventually start my own. Nice. Now, so what? what is, I know you love Paris and you've been there multiple times, but what is what is the slice of pie Paris? Oh, man. Well, for me, it just it's where everything started with the whole phot- photography thing, right? And I guess when I'm here, I just it's this is a place where I feel most inspired. Like everyone just seems so passionate about what they do and and yeah, it just that that's my Paris. <laughs> it's where things come alive. Now, do you cook while yeah. you're there? I did cook when I'm here and I 
I still do the same thing as I did when I was here five years ago, where I'm just picking up groceries and uh, and making my own cooking. But um, uh, I enjoy eating out here as well. I enjoy just picking up a couple things from the market and putting it together. And people generally purchase their own purchased um people generally purchase desserts there yes it's it's, everything is so beautiful all the patisseries and you'd rarely go home and make your own tart tatin when you can buy one exactly yeah Yeah. cool so you've just recently relocated to paris as we know are you uh are you scared about this move are you scared about launching into this full-time career oh yeah i mean i've only been here for five days but it's been pretty scary, but exciting scary. I mean, this whole process of changing careers has been pretty scary because I've never worked in the food industry and never have done anything creative before this whole change happened. And, you know, I question myself all the time if I'm meant to do this, but every time I pick up the camera, that fear goes away. You feel like you're meant to do it because you want to do it. And I can't picture myself doing anything else. And being here has always been where I feel most inspired. So I feel like this is the right path for me. Mm, that's great. <clears throat> so what, what, how would you describe your, your, your voice, the uh, signature style of yours that you have? Hmm. It's always really hard to describe your own style. <laughs> um, I would say that my, my style or my voice is something that's very approachable, like relatable, you know, and, my voice is so influenced from my upbringing and my family and my friends and my experiences that, uh, yeah, it, it, it's just something that comes from me. Mm-hmm. Can and you, how, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, can can you teach someone how to find their voice? I would say how I found my voice is by, like when I first started, I looked at all these photographs and these other photographers that I admired and then try to pick out what I loved about how they photograph. Like with Aran, it was like how she saw the light and with someone else is how they styled. And I tried like not mimicking, but you know, doing all these different styles until that there was a style that I was, that just felt intuitive me, me that like whenever I start styling or photographing that, eventually just became my style from doing it so many times. Do you hear the angels singing when, when it all comes together and it feels right? Oh, yeah. And sometimes it takes painstaking like hours. Like behind the scenes, it's not always as, as quick as I make it look like it was coming together. Like you've sat at dinner with me before <laughs> where, you know, I started selling something. I think I got it. I sat down. You're starting to eat. Like, wait, 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 wait. I step back <laughs> up and try to do the shots. Um so yeah, sometimes it, it is like angels sing because it takes me hours before I can actually dig into the food. <laughs> <laughs> it may, may be a little cold, but that's okay. Yeah. So do you have a strategy when you're posting on Instagram? Do you do that right away? Are you spontaneous and got to get it up there? Do you um, I wouldn't say right away because when I take a picture, I actually put my phone down away and enjoy the rest of my meal and go back to the photo later the editing process does take me a while too um even with iphone that's still i edit my pictures on instagram on my iphone but i still use sometimes several apps and 
a lot of like, does this look good? Does this look better? A lot of going back and forth. Um, my, I don't quite have a strategy for posting, but I do pay attention to what time would be ideal to post certain content or where my audience is. And sometimes I think about, you know, the colors that are present in my previous picture so that it flows nicer in my feed. Mm-hmm. So those are the things I think about. Or like Sundays, I like to post brunch photos and that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. What kind of apps do you use? I use, um, I use mostly Snapseed because I find that it has a lot. It's really awesome for everything that you want to do on there. And but for filters, I like to use Viscocam, so V S C O C A M. But lately, I've been using a lot of the new Instagram filters. I find that they're really good. Hmm. There you go. So you'd say more or less that when you're taking a photo, you're you're taking it. uh, There's a process behind it, but you're taking it for your own pleasure. You know, are, are, yeah. you, are you are you photographing for your audience or you're photographing for yourself? I'm mostly photographing for myself because it is my voice and I like to keep it that way. My feed is quite, my Instagram feed, even though it's just Instagram, it's very personal to me. It's my voice, right? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. A lot of it is my life and what I'd like to share. So tell me a little bit about Acorn Mag that you co-founded. How did that come about? Um, it came about when I met my, my business partner, Tina Albrecht, who's also a very, very talented photographer, and she's a designer as well. And both of us just really wanted to create a, a space where we can do coll- collaborations and be creative and uh, push our own personal boundaries and um, and meet other locals in our like in the industry and showcase our awesome city to other people. And so, you're, you're going to continue telling those Vancouver stories? Uh, we're actually going global because now that I'm here, <laughs> which makes it even more interesting for me because travel is, you know, both of us share that as a passion. So we're going to be getting more uh contributors to the magazine from different places across the world and I'll be traveling a lot more too so we'll get some um, story from the travels. Fantastic. Now I just want you to weigh in a little bit. Um, I know that donuts you just mentioned earlier sometimes Mm. you match your scarf to the donut. Donuts are definitely having a moment. So how do you feel about food and trend? Are you uh, tapped into that? Does that inspire you? Or you, you know, how do you feel about those kind of fleeting things? Or maybe they're here to stay. Who knows? The donut has been here a long time, so. Could <laughs> yeah, last. It sure has. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's pretty and it's delicious. So it's hard to get that off the trend. Um, how do I feel about trends? I mean, it happens, right? Like, especially with social media. Hmm. Do you get turned I mean, off? Like, have you seen... There's nothing more attractive than a beautiful latte with, you know, a New Zealand-inspired fern on the top or something like that. But <laughs> have you seen too many of those? Um, I wouldn't say I've seen too many of those, but, I mean, certain Instagram trends are, like, certain food photography trends, not just on Instagram, are quite obvious, right? And I've been guilty of those trends too because you it's just a small part of our lives and how things go and you know, my photography style could be considered a trend even. So 
I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I just think that like it exists and things come and go. Yeah, and if they're there in front of you, they're, what you're looking for is the light, though, I suppose. So it doesn't even really matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. So you recently spoke at the International Association of Culinary Professionals. Congratulations. Thank you. And so do you have some secrets to share? What did you uh, share with the audience that day? Um, that day, we just um, shared a bit about like photography tips, uh, photographing, well, tips that apply, whether or not using a camera or your smartphone, and a few Instagram strategies that will help you leverage your company. Sharing the slice of pie secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joanne, you're a successful Instagrammer, and you're teaching others, um, you know, at conferences and right here, right now, how to take better photos on Instagram. How do you make money doing that? Uh, how do I make money through Instagram or as a photographer? I guess how how does how does a highly successful Instagram feed like you have ninety thousand followers maybe maybe even more since the last time i've checked but how do you how do how does that roll out into into earning a living yeah it's been really interesting because it's not something that i expected when i first started using it obviously but um lately you see a lot of brands who are interested in doing like sponsor posts through instagrammers so they'll contact you uh, basically proposing that uh, asking you to either photograph their product and promote it through Instagram or I've been contacted by tourism brands where you know I'm traveling and showcasing the cuisine at a certain region in exchange for for pay right and hey why not <laughs> does it ever get uncomfortable um sometimes I mean like I said before my my Instagram is very personal to me, so I am especially picky about some um, brands that I attach myself with or picky about captions. So I want to make sh- make sure that some- I'm talking about something that I'm passionate about and not just, you know, selling something that I'm not because it, d- it wouldn't feel like me. But a girl's got to eat. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm okay being a starving artist for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you know it's one thing if it's like a Ford Mustang or something that you're meant to be photographing <laughs> versus a croissant or something like that. Yeah, that's cool though. But the, each step, I'm, and I suppose it's just being ex- your 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 feed is 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 like a CV. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it just leads to more and more work. So how long in Paris, Joanne? I like to say indefinitely. Nice. I mean, it was an intuitive decision. It was a decision based on passion, how I feel when I'm here. So if that feeling lasts, I would like to stay. But if not, no, on to somewhere else. Fantastic. And I'm going to sound like a grandmother, but in this day and age, (laughs) (laughs) you can do your job from wherever you, wherever you, wherever your technology is. Mm. wherever you find yeah. the light. We're pretty lucky like that, huh? Oh, we're so lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we say goodbye? Anything no. Else? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. What are, you, what are you having for supper tonight? I'm not sure, actually. I am waiting for my friend who's visiting to finish her work here, and then we'll decide where the night takes us. Are you sort of guilty sometimes of 
Um, maybe adding chilies onto a dish just because you want a little pop of color. I cook so visually nowadays that like, yeah, I, th- I think last time I had a friend over for dinner, she she tasted my food and said that I cook, that I cook visually. And it's only because, well, I want the food to look a certain way and I don't always taste my food before I add maybe half a bottle of chili till it gets red, <laughs> nice and red. And then she's unable to eat it. And I'm like, oh, oops. But it looks nice. Doesn't right? it look fantastic? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, you know, it's I should a learn to make two, two separate portions, actually. <laughs> yeah, the photographed and the, uh, the edible. Well, it's just a yeah. sign of a true artist. You'll do anything for the, <laughs> for the, uh, for the masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Like order a donut that matches your scarf, right? <laughs> like order a donut that matches your scarf. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or order a cappuccino with a beautiful design on top when you're lactose intolerant. You know, we just have to do these things sometimes. Don't reveal my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely not lactose intolerant. FYI. <laughs> anyway. Well, that was so great chatting with you, Joanne. Yeah, same. Thanks for having me. Okay. Um, until next time. Merci. À la prochaine. À la prochaine. <laughs> Bonsoir. Bye-bye. Bye. So that's our first show. Please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter at The Food Podcast. Like us on our The Food Podcast Facebook page. And please send feedback and any show suggestions you have to thefoodpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to my very favorite, Jen Grant, for graciously sharing her music with us for our theme song, You can check her out at jengrant.com, J-E-N-N-G-R-A-N-T. There you'll find videos, photos, tour dates, albums, and maybe even some thoughts on food. jengrant.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. This was a Village Soundcast Network original production. Hi, I'm Stephen. And I'm Karsten. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Lends Me Your Ears. Here's how the show works. We take movies now in theaters and connect them to older classics and non-classics. For example, if I said Hot Tub Time Machine 2, what would you think of? Oh, Lake House, Midnight in Paris, maybe Looper, X-Men Days of Future Past, Time Cop, Source Code, The Final Countdown. Uh, Planet of the Apes, 12 Monkeys, Time Bandits, Terminator. What about SpongeBob? Sponge out of water. Yeah, you get the picture. Just look for Lends Me Your Ears in the iTunes podcast store. 